you buy a business, you get freedom, and then you can keep searching for more opportunities. The good thing is don't buy a job, don't, don't buy a business and they stay there. No, position yourself as an investor, delegate the management and keep grabbing deals. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hi and welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast and to my mini-series Buy and Build. We're going to bring a series of experts to you in the space of acquisitions, doing deals and giving the prognosis for the economy. Now actually could be a good time to scale and grow your business through acquisition. And I'm delighted to uh, bring on to the Business Mastermind podcast all the way from Buenos Aires, uh, Argentina, uh, Sebastian Amiva. Sebastian, welcome to the podcast. Gavin, thank you very much to have me on your podcast. I'm be- I feel very honored. Thank you very much. So today we are going to speak about business acquisition, which is the, the topic I'm excited about. Yeah. Thank you so very much. My pleasure. So Sebastian, uh, he's a private investor. He's an entrepreneur. He's a business acquisition coach, coach, and he's based between Buenos Aires and London. So first of all, Sebastian, can you just share with our listeners a bit of your background, your career history to date, um, and then sort of outline the kind of deals that you work with and how you help clients. Yeah, correct. So I born in Patagonia, Argentina, south in the country, and I started working into the M&A world, into the business acquisition world in Buenos Aires, in the capital. I started work for uh, law firms, for uh, M&A firms, and I've been learning all these LBO strategies, buying businesses with little to no money down. And I got very excited about the idea and about this, uh, this business acquisition world, how you can create wealth through acquisitions, right? So I did my first acquisition in Buenos Aires, a transportation company, 200 employees. I was, you know, 24 years old, very excited wow. about, you I know. Bet. But uh, this, this company, after six months, I wanted to be the, the business buyer. I wanted to be the, the CEO and I completely fa- failed. After six months, I failed. So because I, I, I didn't have the experience to run a business. So now with the, with the past of the years, I've been learning about how to delegate the management because I know myself, I, I'm good at buying and at selling businesses, but not an, at managing. So I know now how to delegate the, the management into the right CEO. So then I decided to... I decided to move to the UK because London ha- has the has the f- access, very easy access to, to raise capital, you know, to meet the investor, family office, private with the film. So six years ago, I moved to London, UK, and I have a flat out there. And I've been, I set up my family office. I bought a business in Spain. I bought business in Brazil. So for example, I set up the, the family office in London with a partner out there. We bought a football club in Spain. I have a football club in, in the third division. It's called Rayo Cantabria, which has sold to Racing in the north of Spain. We sold the, the club to a Chinese investor. So wow. I bought a football club, no money down. I bought a LED factory, the biggest LED factory in Brazil. So we, we sourcing lighting to the government in Brazil and Argentina. So yeah, how was this experience, you know? And I want to encourage anybody who want to buy a business because as you know buying businesses is easier than starting uh, one from the scratch you know because you have an established brand you have trained employees you have everything in place so we we set up a holding in the uk you know a plc company 
in the UK, in London, and then we we bought this LED factory in Brazil, 700 employees, and the Brazilian company became a subsidiary. So what we did is we raised funds in the UK through the holding, and then we bring down the capital as a working capital to down to Brazil as a subsidiary. This is a cross-border deal, right? So a lot of people are asking me, you know, how to buy deals from Latin America, how to buy deals in Mexico, how to do a cross-border you know, acquisition. The best way for me is to set up the holding in a first world economies like the UK, the US or, or Canada or Australia, which are the, the countries I'm working on, and then the subsidiary in the third world economies. So that way you have cheap access and fast access to capital and you can bring down, you know, for the for the down payment or for paying the shares to the to the shareholders. I've been doing this one, yeah. And what sort of what what sources of capital in the UK, for example, do you do you go to where your first sort of ports of call for raising finance? So if you want to raise finance, the easiest way to, to access is through the asset-based lender, uh, yep. this, this kind of lender. So we can use the certified assets in Latin America or in another country or even in the UK. And then we go to the asset-based lenders and we can raise capital through them, right? So they normally give you 30 to 60% of the asking price, you know? So yeah. you can you can use that cash, that capital for the down payment, and the rest you can do a seller finance. This is the best the best way you can you can structure the deal. If it's a cross border, if it's a it's a British if it's a British entity, if it's a British company, you just do you can do a mix of asset based lender and seller finance, right? Thirty percent seller finance or forty percent for the down payment, and the rest you can pay in a balloon of five years, four to five years. This is the the easiest way that okay so you do it as a balloon in four to five years rather than yes. consideration each year for each of those five years you yes, just write yeah. to a balloon balloon yeah balloon of five years yeah maximum five years if not the sellers are not really happy with more than five years they yeah. don't want to wait too long right so yeah yeah so it's very exciting for any entrepreneur or you know if of, if you are a business owner uh, you want to grow by a business acquisition it's smarter to buy your competitors out or to consolidate the market that you are operating or, for sure. or, or if you're an entrepreneur and you have no much savings you have no much money you can become a an expert in one industry create your board create your spb the special purpose vehicle in the uk and try yeah. to identify companies for sale yeah. the most difficult part on this if you're an entrepreneur looking for a, a company to, to sell on uh, on the uk is to find a motivated seller because you know, when you want when you want to buy, when you buy to to sell your business, you want to you want to some solid down payment. You want like a one million, two million. So you need to find a motivated one who have no succession plan. So the most difficult part is this one: is finding a motivated. And, seller. and what have you found is the best way of sourcing these deals to finding these motivated sellers? Yes. So in terms of of, of the deal flow, is uh, is as follows. So. People is, is some people is paying advertising on Facebook or LinkedIn, trying to reach out directly to the sellers or through online listing. You can go to businessforsale.com or .co.uk or you can go through brokers, you know. But the most difficult part with brokers is they are going to ask you for proof of funds. So if you don't have proof of funds, how to deal with that? So I, I discovered one technique which is very useful and I give it to all my mentees globally is to, it's called an introduction fee agreement, right? So before the broker asks you for proof of funds, you must to make them to sign an introduction fee agreement. That means that if they help you to close the deal, you're gonna pay in 48 hours, 50K or 100K, you know, after deal completion. 
So the introduction fee agreement is very smart move to to make the broker sign. So they are not going to ask you for proof of funds, and they are not going to do a deep due addition on, on yourself. So through broker, through online listing, and through the, the organic way for me, the best way uh, advising the people I partner with is through LinkedIn using the, the sales tool, sales navigator, because you can target properly, you know, all the, for example, if you're investing into the construction companies, you're going to target all the managing partners of construction companies in the UK area. And you can put, uh, the most important part also is to have a pitch deck presentation when you're contacting them, telling them your investment criteria, what you're looking for. So normally I advise people to put the location. So the location is going to be UK, for example, the asking price one to 10 million, because if it's bigger than 10 million, you're going to have big competition with the private equity guys and family office. So it's better to be under the radar. And also, you know, the, the, the beta number. So normally we buy in companies having a three to four times the beta number, the multiple. If it's, uh, if it's bigger, it's, it's difficult. So, yeah, so three, to, is, three to four times EBITDA is what EBITDA. you're looking for as a multiple. Yeah, correct. correct. Yeah. This is the multiple. And when you've got um, a motivated seller, how do you deal with the conversation or the kind of tension where you want to defer most of your finance or your payment to a balloon in five years, but they want to take as much money off the table, you know, right now? How how, how do you come to agreement or address that kind of mismatch? Yeah, so uh, this is a, a sensitive conversation that you have with the seller, right? Because they want to make sure that you are able to pay all the installments in a balloon or the fire. So how to offer safety, how to show safety to this deal is telling them that uh, they can keep the shares. So once you release the capital, they can release shares. So they keep the shares. Or you can put the clause on the SPA saying that if you are not able to pay the installments, they have the buyback option, right? So this is very common on the SPA, on the share purchase agreement, putting the buyback option. So, you know, so that way you are offering them safety. And also, Another very important thing to have in, in mind is when you meet in the sellers, you know, the first meeting is uh, you need to sound credible. If you, if you, for example, don't have experience with the construction company, you at least must study to get a market research before the meeting, telling them what are the top 10 players in the UK, for example, you know, how is performing the industry. You need to sound credible because uh, if not, you want to worry the seller, right? You need to know the industry and, if, if, if you don't know the industry, no worry, but bring with you an expert, you know, under your board, an ex-CEO who been running businesses in the industry. So for me, credibility, buy deals, right? If you're credible, you're going to close the deal. And if you offer safety, also you're going to close the deal. So for me, the three things that you must have is offer safety, transparency, telling them from the day one that you're doing seller finance only because you don't want to have that conversation. Oh, you want to use my company to buy my company, right? You don't want to, you're not putting none of your own money. So you don't want to have this kind of conversation. So it's better to be totally transparent. Listen, I am, I am buying using as much leverage as, as I can. I'm using my lender's network. I got the money, but I'm not going to use it. I'm going to use my lender's network, which is cheaper than using my own money, right? So lender's network and also you, you bring it with you a board, solid board who understand the industry that you're buying. So credibility, empathy also putting in their shoes and also understanding why, why they're selling. You need to know why they're selling because if not, you want to waste a lot of time with the sellers. Some people are just testing the market. They say, I want to I wanna sell, but they are not really want to sell. They just want to know how much 
my company worth, right? So be aware of the time waster, right? So, yeah. And also in terms of the criteria of the businesses that you personally look for, so you look that the revenues between um, one to ten million. Yeah, asking that, price one to ten. Yeah, asking sorry, price. Ask, asking price. Um, yeah. And then you're also looking for um, a reasonable asset base for which you could get asset based finance. You could leverage asset based finance on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the, the the industry must be asset heavy, right? Asset heavy. No service companies. No. IT businesses because you don't have much assets. The only asset that you have is the contract or the invoice. Because you, as you know, you have invoice lenders also. That you can use the invoice. But for me, it must be an asset-heavy deal, like owning a real estate, owning some trucks, you know, cars, owning some expensive equipment or machinery. So that way you can use it, the company target asset as a collateral. If sure. it's no asset, you can go to asset-based lender because they want to you know, laugh. So it must be asset-heavy, 1 to 10 million asking price. And it's the best, uh, the best way to deal with them. And have you got any favored sectors? Yes. Yeah, so my favorite sector, of course, is transportation because it's very easy to, to delegate the management. And also, you know, I, I, I failed. My first visit was transportation, so I failed. So I've been learning big lessons you know, about hiring people, about delegating and about how to get the appraisal for the trucks, you know. So trucking business, you know, transportation in the UK is a very simple business. You have the drivers, the client, the warehouse, and you have the trucks. So you have assets that is simple business to, to leverage. So I recommend people who is starting buying some, uh, you know, real estate businesses or buying some transportation, you know, some factories. The factories I like, you know, Magnum Factoring something. I like these ones. As, as soon as it has assets, you can leverage, right? Sure. Or if the company, some some people, some business acquisition gurus, you know, they they telling people buying distressed companies. Of course, I I bought distressed companies, but can be very risky, you know. If if you are not an investment banker, if you are not professional, and you're dealing with ten million debts, you know, you need to know how to renegotiate all these debts with different banks, with suppliers, you know, with lenders. So it can be a nightmare. So of course, some people say you can buy a distressed business with with one pound, right? Of course you want to buy it, but it's a bag, it's a bag of debt, right? And you need to be a, yeah, yeah. an expert, an expert to about how you can restructure. If not, you maybe want to be liable, you know, for, sure. this, for yeah. this debt. So you need to be careful, you know. I am not advise people to buy these test companies because uh, if you are starting on this business acquisition journey, it can be very risky. So I prefer to buy four, three to four times a bit a profitable business with asset heavy that I know I can do all the repayment. If I fail with the repayment, I can, they can, you know, charge my, the assets. So it's no, no much risk. Right. So I'm playing. And then presumably you also look for a strong management team. Do you? So once that the owner has moved out away from the business that you've still got a strong management team that will run it operationally. Correct. So after, after the post closing it's called the post closing, so when you sign the SPA, you do the takeover, you have two options or three. You can keep the current CEO if, if he's doing well, or you can put your own CEO. And mm -hmm. you, can do, you, you can do double management, right? So because it's complicated. One thing to have, to have in mind is it's good to keep the ex-business owner in, in, the, in, the, in place for three months for all the coaching, explaining how the business is working, right? So it's better to keep the, the owner for at least three months and then uh, you can pay a salary, you know. And then if you want to replace the CEO, you need to have two headhunters or two 
HR companies in place before you're doing the closing. So you identify two CEOs who've been running similar businesses in the UK and you can replace it immediately. So you don't lose time and the business, you know, during the transitions, don't complicate things. Oh, of course, they will likely be on a three-month notice period. So that's why you keep the outgoing CEO in for three months and then you've got a transition. Transition, yeah. The transition yeah. process sometimes can be complicated, but if you if you are prepared for the opportunity, you, you have already two CEOs in place. Because the big mistakes that all the business buyers and entrepreneurs out there are doing, they are, they, they are starting for the last point. The last point is deal hunting. They say, hey, Sebastian, I found this deal in the UK. It's making three times the beta. I say, okay, do you have a website? Do you have a pitch deck? Do you have your lenders network? Do you have family office, private equity, guys network? They don't have any network and they pretending they want to buy a 10 million pounds company with no money down. So it's very difficult. You need to have so many things in place before the deal hunting, before going out and contacting sellers. So, you know, you need to be ready for the opportunity. So preparation is key on business acquisition. It's not for... It's not for amateurs. You need to look like a professional, having a board, a website, a legal entity already established, a pitch deck. You need to have all the documents of a deal maker like NDA, letter of intent, introduction fee agreement, which is the one I'm, I'm using normally with brokers. You need to have a you know broker's network, lender's network. You know? If you don't have all this thing in place, it's going to be very hard for you to buy a deal. right? So I advise people to to prepare for the opportunity. So take two times of your life and prepare yourself as a deal maker. So once you find a good opportunity, you can close it in one, two weeks, right? Because you have all the points connected. So, yeah. You've made reference a few times to family office. So do yeah. you, can you explain a little bit more? I know that many of the listeners to this show will know what a family office is, but some yeah. may not. So uh, first, yeah. if you can explain what a family office is, but second, right. how you tap into that, that network or family offices and how you become credible as a you, you know someone to back yeah so it's very very simple is you have single family office which is one family like amoeba family have 100 million and they want to invest in different different sectors and you have multi-family office which is two families together with money ready to invest in different sectors so it's very simple family office is is an investment firm which is owned by one family or multi-families. This is the explanation. And also, how to get into this world. Uh, for me, it was, uh, was not too difficult. I just joined to the family office organization in the UK. You know, you have associations, so you can join to the associations, going to the cocktail, cocktail meetings, you know, online meetings, Zoom conference with them. You just pay a, a fee to entry, you know, simple uh, annual fee. Or you can also network with them on the chambers of commerce. I used to be a member of the London Chambers of Commerce. Um, uh, you know, you do, there's a lot of family office uh, meetings in, in London and you can assist or pay, you know, the, the entry fee. And this is the way to get into these guys. And also LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I believe if you, if you type managing partner of construction company in LinkedIn, you can find it very easily. Who is the managing partner? Who is the decision taker in case you find a good deal to contact them, to co-partnering together, to co-investing? So LinkedIn is the main tool for a deal maker, I believe it. I believe so. So, yeah. So chambers of. And commerce, then, what do you need in order to be credible? Because uh, to if you're if you, you said you 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 need your NDAs, you need your letter of intent, you need your yep. intro fee agreement, you need to have made sure that you've done your research, so you're credible. You've got your yep. pitch deck. 
what else do you need to convince a family office and be credible with a family office? Yeah, so you need to first yourself, you know, <laughs> you know your your presence, you know how the way you look, the degrees you have, the experience, the background. You know, in the UK it's very normal asking people what is your background. So your background must be good, you know, and also the board that you have. If you don't have a board, you can bring a non-executive director, you know, which is a lot of it's a lot of non-executive director organizations that they provide this kind of executive to to put you on, on your board, and they can work for you on success fee basis. That means once you close a deal, you can pay a fee. You can pay capital or you can pay with equity, giving shares away. So non-executive director, if you if you then find when you define your investment criteria on your pitch deck, you say in construction companies, one to 10 million, location UK, you need to put on your board in the pitch deck presentation yourself to non-executive director, and you can put your lawyer or your accountant. Like a, you, this is my team, you know? So the non-executive director normally are retired people who've been running maybe a construction company for the last 30 years, top 10 companies. So that's gonna give you credibility. So for me, it's all about credibility. Credibility by deals, you know, by deals and also convince family office, convince the seller, convince the brokers. If they are not really believing in you, they are going to ask you for proof of funds. And also, you know, how much money are you putting on each deals? You know, you need to be very clear and transparent. Also telling people that you buying business seller finance only. You, know? you are not putting your own money. It's not because you don't believe in the business because you're using your lender's network because it's cheaper than using your own money, right? So this is the speech that we normally preach, you know, on, <laughs> when we approach family office. And private equity firms also, they are more difficult to access, of course, because they move more money sometimes, the family office, and they are another kind of investment firms, you know, more regulated also. So family office is not too regulated by the FCA, but private equity firms are more regulated and more strict, more difficult, the access to the partners, right? So yeah, I, I recommend to network with these two entities, you know, a family office, private equity firms, having your lenders network, minimum three assets. To start buying businesses, you must have website, corporate email, pitch deck presentation, all the legal documents of a deal maker like NDA, letter of intent, introduction fee agreement. You must have an accountant and, and an M&A lawyer, no any lawyer, you must have an M&A lawyer. And then you must have the network with the lenders Minimum three asset-based lenders, you know, you must look up. Because let's say one say, no, we are not lending in, in, in this industry anymore. You must, you must look up two or three, just in case. And then you must look up five family office matching your investment criteria and five private equity firms also matching your investment criteria. No any random one. Must to be um, meeting your, meet your, your investment criteria, the same industry, you know, and the same location. So you are not wasting the, their time, right? So when you when you're structuring a deal, presumably your first go-to is a combination of asset-based finance and seller finance, yeah. and then if you need to get the deal to put more money down up front, then you will turn to family offices or correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. Let's say let's say let's say you fail. Let's say your lender say no, we are not interested in this deal. You don't want to lose the deal. So what is the second option is going to the family office and private equity firms to, so they, they can co-invest with you. They can give you the money for the down payment or they can say, thank you very much, Gavin, for this, for this deal. I give you a minority shareholding position because you found this deal and let me take over 
for you, I, I wanna put the management, I wanna put the money, and I'm gonna give you, let's say, 20%, 10% shares because you found this deal, you know? This is a good way also to get a deal with none of your own money. You, you see- Yeah, yeah, and build wealth. And build wealth, so never, so you need to find a way to, you find a good deal, you're gonna find the investor. So I believe if you, if you have a good deal that makes sense, you're gonna find the money, right? So good deals find money, and I believe uh, with the three four, to four times EBITDA and uh, a solid business with a good management, good sales, you can find a, a good family office who is ready to put the money because they are doing the same of you, but they got the money, right? So, so you've you got, got um, many listeners to this show will have their own businesses and they like the idea of growth through acquisition, particularly the opportunities yeah. that might arise over um, over current, uh, sorry, over, over coming months and years. Now they might, they won't necessarily have a corporate entity for their investment vehicle. They'll, they'll have their main business. They won't necessarily have, you know, the M and A lawyer, the accountant, the pitch deck, etc. Yeah. Um, what you've described makes absolute sense. It's it, and it all contributes towards creating professional credibility. But for some, that might seem a high barrier to entry. So is an easy way in, for example, working alongside a more, for your first one or two deals, working alongside a more experienced deal maker who can provide you with those resources or you can develop those resources, those, those, you know, tick the list of those criteria Correct. off. Correct. Because and, when I work with business, when, when I work with business owners, for example, they, they love the idea. Instead of investing into marketing and sales, why they don't buy their competitors, right? It's smarter to buy the competitors. So they, they, have, they have experience on building business. They maybe build a great business, but they don't know how to buy another business. So sometimes they call me for a consultation, for a mentorship, you know, so I can stay with them during 12 months because they need to prepare their businesses. So in that case, if they are a business owners already, they can use the current business as a collateral. So it's gonna be, you know, a corporate collateral. They can use some, but for that you need to prepare your company, your balance sheet, you need to be, you know, very tidy, your company. You need to tidy up your company and then you need to contact the lender saying, listen, I'm gonna put a corporate guarantee, which is my company plus, you know, because sometimes the lenders are gonna ask you for a personal guarantee, right? And you don't wanna risk your life. You don't wanna put your life away, you know, for a, for a deal. So some, some lenders are asking you for personal guarantee. So if you're a business owner, you can use a corporate guarantee, which is your company is gonna pay in installments in case you fail, right? So I think it's easier if you're a business owner already. And of course you have credibility because you've been running a business and you have a, a company to use it as a collateral, right? It can be uh, amazing. I believe uh, I help in a lot of uh, business owners from the UK to grow by a business acquisition. And for me, it's easier to deal with them that with uh, entrepreneur who quit the nine to five job you know i think for, for me i love this kind of client because i am 100 percent sure that we're going to close the deal right and it's uh, it's just a question of time you know how, how long it's going to take but in three to seven months we can close you know a, a deal. So, so do you recommend somebody pick a particular sector that they they know about they've got experience in or they've done the research in so they don't they don't yeah. move around across lots of different sectors they're saying right my my area of focus is yeah. transportation or it's manufacturing or. Correct. 
normally the people sometimes is lost with the industry and sometimes they have a good solid background and i recommend why you don't start with your background right if you're good with it go to buy an it companies if, if they are business owner but uh, normally i recommend people to have at least three industries into the pitch tech let's say you can do construction manufacturing and healthcare no more than three to don't you know don't mess around so three 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 industries but uh, for me of course if if you can find a deal that that is not much in your criteria and you want to buy it you can buy it but to sounds credible you must to have two to three industries maximum if if not it's like a, you are industry agnostic it doesn't sound serious you know it's good to be focused on two three industries and also having uh, the right people on your board who understand a little bit of these three industries right because if you're buying in construction industries and you don't know what is a scaffolding company or you don't know about you know the industry the the seller is not going to sell, even if you got the money. You know, some people, some sellers, they don't care about the money. They care about you keeping the legacy of the business. They keeping you keeping the employees safe and the company safe because it took a lot of time to to build a great company. And if you don't have experience, you may become you know fail, right? So sometimes it's not all about the money. It's all about you know building rapport with seller, you know, and being credible, and uh, you know giving the the promise that you're going to keep the legacy. So these three points are important also. Now, before we start to talk about cross-border cross deals, yeah. I'd like to uh, just ask you about what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned post-acquisition that's made the difference between success or failure of that business that you've bought? Yes, yeah, so for me, uh, post-closing, you need to be very careful with the decision you take in terms of should I keep the current CEO or should I delegate to an, another, should I, should I replace, you know? So if the, if the CEO is, is doing well, you know, the sales are increasing, the performance is increasing year by year, why not keeping it, right? If you feel, if you feel the sales are stay the same, every, every year is the same, it's, it's, you, you can take a chance and replace it. But it's a big decision because, you know, you need, remember you need to do all the seller finance payments. You need to do all the repayment to the lenders. So if you fail with sales, you know, you, you're not going to be able to pay to do all the repayments. So the big, the, big, uh, the big lesson I learned was delegating the management, right? Because uh, normally when you have no clue about business acquisition world, when you buy a business, you want to become the CEO, the director. You want to do everything by yourself. I want to be a business, a deal maker. I want to be the CEO. I want to be everything. So it doesn't work like that. You need to position yourself as an investor. I, I'm getting shares. I am an investor and I'm getting dividends for that, right? I'm not a salary. I, I'm not put myself on a payroll. I'm not an employee. I'm not a CEO. I'm a, a proper investor. I buy a business. I delegate the management and I get dividends. This is the way you need to structure your your mindset, right? For me and all the people I'm working. As and do you also take a management fee out as well? A monthly management yeah, yeah. fee? Yeah. yeah, yeah, management fee as a dividend. You, know, you take, let's say, 200K, 300K, or half a million, it depends on the company size per year as a management fee. You can take a deal fee acquisition from day one also. Different fees you can take. You know? Deal fee acquisition means once you buy a business, let's say, one million pounds business in the UK, and the lender says, Sebastian, I can give you 30%. To the asking price, so 300k, you can you can come back to the seller and say, listen, my lenders can give me 200k. Mm -hmm. So you can you can keep the difference, 100k on mm -hmm. the day one. This is called deal fee acquisition. So you make money from the day one. Doesn't matter if the company is gonna perform well or bad. You make money from day one. 
plus the management fee you're taking out at the end of the tax year, right? So, yeah, this the, the, for me the most important part is uh, that people people don't have an strategy before buying a business because for me buying a business is the easiest part, but sure. you need to have an strategy. What they're gonna do after? How they're gonna do the repayment? And how I wanna increase the sales? So, do you get in? Presumably, you get involved in monthly board meetings to to measure the performance each month. But do you also get involved in setting the strategy, the growth strategy of that business? Yeah, the the, the, the growth strategy. You know, you need to bring experts on the table. You know, you need to have a strategy before you sign the SBA. Some people just sign the SBA because they are too anxious to take over. And they don't have an strategy, okay, what is going on in this market, in this industry, how we want to do maybe a consolidate with another companies, how maybe we want to do an IPO in Frankfurt or in Sweden or in the UK, we are going to raise bonds. You need to have an strategy behind it. It's not just buying the business. Buying the business can be the easiest part. Then you have, you know, the post-closing, delegating the management, getting the weekly or monthly reports, doing all the transition, you know. You have a lot of work to do after the, the, the closing, right? So... Yeah. So uh, a lot there, you've got to be prepared beforehand. You've got to m- make sure you're credible and professional. You've done the deal. You need to make sure you've got the right leadership in place, the right strategy going forward, not only for that particular business, but how it might be a part of a bigger strategy, like further acquisitions and consolidation yeah. in that industry. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's buying, delegating, and you know, getting dividends. The, the model, the method is buying a deal, First, find it, find the deal, but close the deal, delegate the management, and then get dividends, get the management fee, right? So you position yourself as an investor. You can do, you can be an investor and a CEO at the same time. You need yeah. to be, you need to be involved just for the, you know, annual board meetings, you know, every six months meetings. So one of the areas that you also have a specialism is cross-border deals, and particularly between first world and third world economies. So. Um, yeah. Talk to me about that. You've obviously got a, a fairly unique perspective on it, it's bridging your time between Argentina and, and the UK. So um, that obviously opened the door to you for cross-border deals. But yeah. for somebody that you know doesn't spend the time between between two two, two very different economies, um, what are the advantages of doing cross-border deals? Yeah, because I bought a few deals uh, abroad, you know, from the UK, setting up the holding. I understand more about cross-boarding, you know, operations. So I, for example, I'm going to give you an example that I am working with a mentee from the UK. So Mark is my, my mentee. We've been working for the last three months together. He's a full-time employee engineering for a big company. So he have not much time to spend. So I've been preparing himself as a deal maker. And we, we got approved a letter of intent in, uh, in Turkey. And I believe it. So it's a plastic pipe company. It's okay. a eight, 18 million, 18 million asking price, 18 million USD uh, deal. So it's a big company in uh, Esmir, close to Istanbul, in by the sea. So it's it's Turkey. I say, wow, I never bought a business there. So let's let's apply the same method. So the best way to do a cross-border deals is to have uh, the the accounting firm. For example, Deloitte, you know Deloitte, BDO, mm-hmm. KPMG, all these, they are global firms. So for me, the best way to deal with cross-border is to have, in, uh, for example, Deloitte, Turkey, and De- Deloitte, UK. So okay. the, com- the communication can be faster, you know. The communication between firms, can, they can exchange information, they can certify the asset. Because 
what you need to be aware is like you need to certify the asset in in turkey like saying this machinery worth one million this equipment worth one million so you you get the appraisal from from Deloitte and Deloitte can communicate to Deloitte UK so you can use that asset as a collateral in the using the lenders in the UK you know or if you want to raise bonds or if you want to do an IPO it's good to have a, a cross-border firm also like Deloitte is globally and also uh, we we found a Turkish branch so the bank we have a bank in in Turkey and the bank must have a branch in the UK so the same you the, when you transfer the the money transfer the assets have the same, you know, easy, easy access to the information. So if you're dealing with two different firms or two different banks, you know, the same banks, you, you need to use the same banks and the same uh, firm, accounting and legal. So everything is run smoothly. So I believe cross-border is, this is the way to do. And on, always set up the holding in first world economies like the UK, because you want to you wanna be sitting in the UK, which is safe, which you have easy access to capital and it's cheap capital. And then you transfer the shares. You, sh you sign the SBA and also transfer share agreement. You transfer the share from Istanbul, from uh, Turkey to, to London, and then you, you keep the shares in the holding. You can, you, can do a, you can list it this company if it's a PLC. You can issue mini bonds. You can do different strategies, right? You can bring family office on board to invest in through the British entity. They are not investing into the Turkish company anymore. Now it's a British company, a global company, also, the company valuation increase because it's not more. It's not a Turkish company anymore. Now it's a British holding with subsidiary in, in Turkey. If, even if the company 100% is operating in Turkey, you have the holding. You need to set up an office in, in the UK, and that way you set up a holding subsidiary strategy. But always first world, first world economies to the holding and subsidiary to the third world economies. And, and would you set up that holding company in London, or would you look for? one of the offshore sort of territories like the Channel Islands or the Isle of Man, for example, or the British Virgin Islands, Cayman yeah, Islands? Yeah, this is, this is for tax reason. You know, some people can set up, you know, a separate entity in this kind of, you know, Isle of Man or different jurisdictions. But uh, for the access to capital, uh, London is the best place maybe in the world. You know? So I don't think so in Isle of Man you can raise, it's not much lenders out there. It's just right, to... Okay tax to be tax efficient right so yeah, for the yeah. lending industry the only purpose you said setting up a holding in london is because the easy access to capital and because it's cheap capital right of course you need you will need to pay some taxes but you know but uh, the capital is there you now and then you bring down to pay less tax you bring down the capital that you raise as a working capital to your subsidiary in turkey for example yeah, so. And and often do you get some restrictions in different countries about how much money you have you're able to take out of that company in that country? Or yeah, so if, we, yeah. each country, of course, is a completely new world. You need to study, you know, the country you are investing because they have uh, different tax regulations. They have different, you know, legal regulation, of course. So you know, it's nothing. Uh, no, no country you can compare, you know, uh, UK with Turkey, for example. In the, the deal I closed in Brazil was a 22 million euros LED factory, you know, the biggest in Brazil, big one. And then uh, we, what we did, for example, we've been working with BDO. It's another big firm like yeah, Deloitte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, uh, they advised me to, to transfer 99.9% .9 of the shares because if we transfer 100% of shares to the UK, it's considered a sell 
you sell in the company, entire company, so you need to pay a lot of taxes. So we transfer 99.9% .9 of the shares from the Brazilian factory to the holding in Brazil. So that way we pay, it's not like we pay for a sale of the company, right? So you pay less tax. So each country have different regulation and you need to, you know, understand before, you know, doing this cross-boarding. So for me, the best way is to have in the same firm in the UK and the third world economies and the same bank, the same banks. In the yeah. UK, you have plus 300 banks, you know, different from different parts of the world. They have a branch there. So make sure you, you're banking with the right bank and also you're dealing with the right accounting and legal firm. To make it, everything is fatter. If not, can be very, very complicated. Very complicated. Yeah. Oh, Sebastian, fascinating conversation. I could listen to you all day and ask for conversations <laughs> all day. But uh, if anybody listening, um, anybody listening to this conversation wants to find out more about how you can be a mentor to them, whether it's a UK acquisition, a US acquisition, or you know, cross-border that we talked about, um, how would they find out more about you and about the, the sort of mentee programs that you offer? Yes, yeah, so what, uh, what I'm doing now, because uh, for the last three years I've been uh, mentoring on this topic, people have been, been following me for a while, they watch how I bought this football club, the LED factory, how I'm running businesses, and say, Sebastian, I, will, I want to start this deal-making journey. I say, okay, so I've been, I've been thinking about, and I developed a 12-month partnership program, you know, which I take in people, you know, I pre-qualify them if we are a good fit to work together, because I can work with everyone. So uh, this partnership program is 12 months where I, we have weekly calls and I act in you acting as a partner. No? So it's a partnership program where I take in, uh, I charge in a fee to entry 10,000 USD to start with plus 20% equity. So I get in equity from the deals we partner in together. So that way I engage more with my inner circle, with my contacts, and I can put all my my, my person in front of the of the deals, right? So it's a partnership program because I, I charge something for my time and also I charge 20% of the equity of shares of the first deal acquisition, only for the first one. If we buy two deals during 12 months, better, you know? So this is the way I, I realize people is getting results. If I get in involved as a partner, if I get involved with my time, I'm not only selling an info product, you know, an online courses or a seminar, you know, I, I can do that. I can create an online course and sell it, but I believe people is getting results with me when I get involved, when I spend time, mm. when we negotiate together, the LOI, when we have a conference call with sellers, that way I believe people is getting more results. So that made me happy. And also I get in shares from different companies in sure. different parts of the world so that sure. is i'm creating wealth also with with the power yeah it's a win-win and of course once they've done the first deal or first two deals with you they've yeah. uh, they've learned so much their confidence has grown massively and they're more likely to go on and do further successful deals on their own aren't they correct all right so i have a lot of uh, people testimony and i've been helping during three years closing deal the success rate is quite high for example uh, we close uh, in the us you have the sba and the, the US mm -hmm. is the easiest, the easiest country to buy a business because you have the small business administration giving you 90% business loan to acquire the business. So they, you just need to find a 10% down investor, it can be family office or, or lender or private investor. So it's, uh, it's, it's great. And we close a 1.5 million transportation company in Sacramento, California with Stacy. Stacy is a woman, five Five, five children, you know, I met her personally. I flew over Sacramento, California to doing all this process. I was very excited, you know, I, 
watching the face of people buying their first businesses, it can change your life. You know, if you, if you buy a business, you get freedom and then you can keep searching for more opportunities. The good thing is don't buy a job. Don't, don't buy a business and they stay there. No, position yourself as an investor, delegate the management and keep grabbing deals. You, know? you need to be a bit greedy, you know, keep grabbing deals. Um, uh, then you can consolidate everything, but uh, don't don't buy a job, you know? buy a business. <laughs> what an amazing uh, point to finish on, Sebastian! Thank you yeah. so much for your time today. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact.